Hey there, humanoids. This is David Shoemaker. The pro wrestling world is currently on fire. And so we've got you covered five days a week on the Ringer Wrestling Show. Every Monday and Thursday, hang out with me and Kaz on the Masked Man Show. And this is Peter Rosenberg, the host of Cheap Heat. Join me and my guys, Stack Guy Greg and Dipperstein, on Tuesdays and Fridays. We talk wrestling, we have bagel breakdowns, mage interviews, and so much more. And Ben Cruz here. Come kick it with me, Cal, and Brian on Wednesday Worldwide, where we hit the most interesting headlines and even react to some of Mass Man's, Cheap Heats, or even your hottest takes. Don't tap out, tap in to the Ringer Wrestling Show feed, now on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. And stay mage, everyone. Worldwide. This episode is brought to you by Mint Mobile. Spring is such a refreshing time of year. Flowers are blooming and you're getting your house in order. But now is also a good time to take a second look at your wireless plan because you might be overpaying. Right now, Mint Mobile has unlimited talk, text, and data plans for $15 a month when you buy a three-month plan. To get this new customer offer, go to mintmobile.com slash bigpick. That's mintmobile.com slash bigpick. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month for first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. Okay, Sean, top three movie snacks of all time, go. Um, all right, let me think. Uh, popcorn? Obviously. Hmm. Ice cream? That's two. Oh, and uh, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, of course. Peanut butter and chocolate is a pretty perfect combination. Some may even say the ultimate movie snack. You can't argue with that. Find Reese's now at a store near you. I'm Sean Fennessy. I'm Amanda Dobbins. And this is The Big Picture, a conversation show about dumpuary. It's that marvelous time of the year. The studios try to trick us into believing that their mishandled wares are worth our time. But somehow, magically, sometimes they are. Last week, we discussed Argyle on the pod, which I would say, not worth our time. Today, (laughs) we're talking about a couple of big ones. One of them, we know for sure, is worth our time. And that movie is The Beekeeper. And joining us to talk about it, the king of Dumpuary, Chris Ryan. That's right. I am am the hive protector, and I am here. Thank you for your service. Uh, This film came out almost over a month ago. And... um, Frankly, it's the movie sensation of 2024. <laughs> People are, they cannot stop talking about this man who keeps bees. Yeah. And it is just remarkable. That's only the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. Or the tip of the honeycomb, really, hey uh, now. with what that guy does. So it's directed by David Ayer, uh-huh. longtime action filmmaker, a filmmaker who Chris and I, Amanda, have had quite a bit of time for. I would say he has not draped himself in glory in the last five years in the aftermath of the failure of his Suicide Squad movie. Oh, I but, you know about that, yeah. Give me a Street Kings. Give me a Harsh Times. Give me Fury. Give me Fury. I'm down with those movies. I don't think I fully clocked before digging into the Beekeeper. End of Watch. Absolutely. Yeah. This was an air joint. Did he direct Bright? Uh, He did direct Bright. And that was the Netflix film that came out like right after Christmas. Didn't it come out after... Was that it? Yeah. It was like the 2018, it, it was I want to say. Yeah. yeah. No, I, you just like, you turned it on in Palm Springs I one did. year uh, and just like put it on in the living room. This is before children, thankfully. Um, but as, like, as we went about our days, it was just like bright was on the TV screen. I, I watched the entire film and um, 
Well, it wasn't good. So David Ayer, it's a coin flip for him these days. Mm-hmm. You never know. And somehow, he's made one of the more critical cinematic texts of the year. <laughs> uh, CR, I'm going to start with you. Okay. This is a new Jason Statham vehicle. What'd you think of it? Uh, I was deeply, deeply entertained by this movie. As were the 80% capacity of a Tuesday night in February screening at Burbank, which this movie is speaking to people. People are coming back to the hive, which is the theater, <laughs> and they are pollinating it. They are pollinating it with Diet Dr. Peppers okay. and large popcorns. <laughs> and when certain things happen in this film, they clap. They applaud. Now, whether it's ironic, like there's a little bit of the like, has the Nicole Kidman AMC intro now permeated all film and we are all ironically laughing at everything? It's a great question. Or does this movie tap into something very deep and powerful about what it means to be alive right now? Is that something? <laughs> like, what, what if it, Q Shaman was a trained assassin? Here's it. It's not, man. Here it's okay. Not, it's okay. not. Oh, that. it's not. It's not. Wow. I found this movie. So you want to do any setup of, of yeah. like what it? So yeah. um, I can't Jason Statham's character, <laughs> Adam Clay, is a beekeeper living on an elderly woman's and estate. A literal beekeeper. He's a literal beekeeper. He's taking care he's of bees and to the bees honeycombs and making and honey. He's making honey, and um, he learns that his. The his landlady has committed suicide because she has been taken for a large sum of money, all of her money, by an international ring of online digital con artists who talk her into giving up not just her personal fortune but the charity foundation that she manages as well. And in fortune. in what I felt was an absolutely harrowing ten minute opening sequence starring so Felicia Rashad. Yes. yes. As the woman who is scammed. Felicia Rashad, the first of many talented actors who show up in the film The Beekeeper. And they walk you step by step through it. She's entering the passwords and you're just like, no, don't. I mean, this was, you know, cyber crimes as as a horror film. People are really afraid of this. All people I know are afraid of this happening to them. I would say that some of the things that her character does wouldn't recommend. Yeah. Wouldn't yes. recommend letting people take over uh, but control I thought of your about laptop. my mom I, doing this it is as exactly well. It. Yeah. Yes. I, I think that every generation gets the vengeance movie they deserve. And we happen to be living in a time of scams. We happen to be living in a time where I don't think that our faith in law and law enforcement is at its highest. And the fantasy that there is some sort of extrajudicial justice agent out there, like Justice Capital J, like like real moral justice that could correct these wrongs that seemingly go unpunished in society is actually super powerful. It's actually like watching this movie, I was like, this is ridiculous bullshit. But if somebody did this to my mom, I'd be pretty mad. And it's like, there's like a 60% chance this could definitely happen to my mom. So the, the, the death wish style seeking vengeance aspect of the movie, I think is very straightforward and very well done. It's pretty clear that this guy who is a quote-unquote beekeeper is enraged, frustrated, and um, just sort of like almost confused by the evilness of the, the this corporation that is scamming older people. And so Adam Clay goes off on a vengeance tour yeah. to find the people who did this. He goes to the headquarters, this neon-lit, absurd marketplace of, all of all financial of, chicanery. Everything is happening within a... 75 mile per hour mile radius in Massachusetts yes. for some reason. And somehow he's able to <laughs> find this location and he wreaks vengeance on these mothers. He absolutely goes haywire and is 
killing security guards and burning buildings down. And what slowly becomes clear is that he is not just the lone man, but he is a he is a trained agent mm-hmm. who is a member of a super duper secret organization known as the Beekeepers. The duper is when you know. Yeah. Really got it's, it's super really super. taking only, it seriously. Only the head of the CIA and the president are read in on this and the head of the FBI, I think. Happening simultaneous to this is we learn that the man who owns this sort of digital chop shop played by Josh Hutcherson is deeply upset by news that a beekeeper has come to town and is mm-hmm. burning shit up. And in yeah. fact, he doesn't know what a beekeeper is. But very very quickly, thanks his, to the help of his head of security, head head of security, security. who's portrayed by Jeremy Irons. The he, first British man to lead our central intelligence agency. <laughs> <laughs> um, making no effort to hide his no. accent. Uh, that what a beekeeper is, what he does. Statham's character is a retired beekeeper. He's been he's been deactivated, but he's still got all the tools. And he has the phone number that where he can dial in to the actual hive. Yeah, and they can and like, they can say, "I thought you retired, but here's everything that you need yeah, to know." Here's anyway, all this personal information for the person you're gonna kill. <laughs> Pretty confusing state of play on the beekeepers. Yeah. Because yeah. within 20 minutes of that moment happening, the beekeepers have sent someone, an, the active well, beekeeper. No. It's it's really crucial to not skip a step here. Okay. okay. So, <laughs> Jeremy Irons discovers that a beekeeper is after uh, young his, Mr. Yeah, Danforth. His ward. his ward. Not really. Not, he's just not like, his technical ward, but his yeah. charge. Yeah. And he the calls The Nepo in, baby of this giant he, he calls in a favor of sorts. He calls up the current head of the CIA. Which is played by Meanie Driver. Oh, yeah. Meanie Driver. Meanie. Sorry, Meanie Driver. Meanie. Meanie Driver is in this film for 93 seconds. Yeah. She picks up a phone, and then in another scene, she's wearing a gown, and she picks up the phone again, and she goes, I can't help you with this one. What does it say on the phone? It says Alpha. (laughs) That's the Alpha line. I don't know why. Don't know what that means. (laughs) When she answers it, she's like, why are you calling this phone? You're not supposed to be calling. And so the beekeeper, but the beekeepers do send the current. So apparently, I I, I read a little bit about this. Okay, good. yeah. There's Bad. only ever. <laughs> the, Where'd you read it? There's only ever one beekeeper. Right. Yeah. The beekeeper retires, a new beekeeper comes in. Like it's not like an army of beekeepers. There's just one. So Jason Statham's retirement causes this new woman, who's basically a cyberpunk kind of <laughs> tank girl deal, to get nominated or promoted into the beekeeper position. And apparently, all you need to access any beekeeper, like, sort of stash is the fingerprint of the current beekeeper, which is convenient because Jason Statham's really into cutting people's fingers off. I have an important question before we go any further. Mm-hmm. Chris, were you attracted to the beekeeper? The, 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 the tank current? Uh, I thought that was, like, a super fun splash of color in this movie. Yeah. Was to have, like, a techno-punk, purple-haired Lady Gaga all of a sudden mm-hmm. just shooting, like, a... Just a, a 50 cal out of the back of a truck. Yeah. Right. Let's like circle a gas back station. to my question. Were you attracted <laughs> I to that woman? I wasn't. Okay. I will okay. tell you the character I was attracted to. Okay. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> oh, that's really exciting. Oh my God. What I'm the, now I'm guessing, I'm trying to guess who it is. <laughs> one of the things that we haven't mentioned is that um, the daughter of Felicia Rashad's oh, yeah. character it's really, this is, tough. is also an FBI agent. Yeah. And while she is grieving for the death of her mother, <laughs> she also has become involved in the investigation right. around who this beekeeper figure is and and also the larger fraud ring yes yes exactly that so Josh Hutcherson kind of happening running. in tandem 
and who is on the side of right and who is on the side of wrong. She's portrayed by Emmy Raverman Lampman. Never seen her before. Uh, apparently, she's a TV star on the Umbrella Academy. Oh. Uh, quite simply, the one of the most illogical characters in the recent it, movie history. Yeah, it swears it's, constantly. It's not her fault. It's not the actress's fault, fault. But yeah, I have but no the, idea what they yeah, were thinking they, with this the character. The character made absolutely <laughs> like, no if, sense. If, if one of your parents took their own life, maybe sit down for a while. Have a glass of water. Yeah. Relax. Stop yeah. trying to unearth this ring. Additionally, but, she's... And it's not just like she's going rogue to do it. She's also like meeting with the head of the FBI who's just like, blank check for however many agents you need to like, what? They're there, all... there are so many meetings with powerful people that yes. are absurd. Now... The reason I make the Q Shaman joke is I think that there is a there's a turn in this film to no. this film. So the there is a version of this movie where Jason Statham simply goes up the the ladder of this corporation that's scamming the elderly, which he does more or he less. He does, do. but you could have stretched that out for ninety five minutes, and then at the end, he finally kills the person who runs the company, and you're like, yes, finally, you know. And he, maybe he redistributes the wealth back to all the elderly people who've been scammed, and you're like, fuck yeah, yeah. Instead, a land of milk and honey, thanks to the beekeeper. Midway through this movie. We find out that Josh Hutcherson, his mother, is the president of the United States. Mm -hmm. And when that is revealed, the enthusiastic the enthusiasm for the crowd in our theater was palpable. Where it was just like, <laughs> yes, yes. Where it was just like, we are going to the White House to keep bees. Let's go. So how did you read that character? I'll tell you quite simply that it was pretty amazing that we were just making a movie about Hillary Clinton and Hunter, Hunter Biden. Yeah, of course. <laughs> It's hilarious. <laughs> it's but so is it's, but it's like it's like almost not subtext. Yeah, like they don't say Hunter Biden, but it's in the in the text but of the it, movie. Is the is the film's political valence that the true demons of our culture are Hillary Clinton and Hunter Biden? I think that because it's, the the Josh Hutcherson character is vile. He's not a good guy. Yeah, no. He's not just like some guy who, you know, went to China and, you know, had affairs with prostitutes. It turns he out is... that he funded his mother's presidential campaign with funds scraped from scamming the elderly. The Danforth Corporation yeah. is, in fact, like, basically a front for these, these behaviors. Can I read you guys a Hillary Clinton tweet? Oh, I saw it. Congratulations to Taylor's boyfriend and the entire Kansas I'm not City doing Chiefs it again. community. You can't beat me again. It's, that's not, Do you that's think not that Hillary Clinton has seen The Beekeeper? <laughs> do you think she's ever seen a Jason Statham film she might yes. have do you know she wrote a political thriller with Louise Penny called oh. State of Terror which I read Statham of Terror uh, yeah. yeah so I, like and it's like really pretty trashy mm -hmm. um so I think that she is more aware of this like this genre than you might expect should David Ayer adapt State of Terror is it about Benghazi? Is it like a thinly veiled Benghazi? Um, I think that there is like a thinly veiled, but it, it is like basically like high, like to even invoke Tom Clancy is like disrespectful to Tom Clancy. And by the way, I like the mystery novels of Louise Penny, but it's like high trash political thriller defense of everything that Hillary Clinton ever did in office um, or, you know, adjacent to office. I think it's very funny that they've chosen to make Hillary Clinton and Hunter Biden the, yeah. the, the arch villains of this story. On the other hand, I don't really feel like it has any political point of view. Yeah, ultimately. it's like you could say that that is Jessica Danforth President Danforth, uh, who's quite striking, I, I think. <laughs> I knew in that that's as soon as you said. Deeply in the CR zone. As soon as you said, there's someone else who yeah. I found attractive. I was like, oh, it's the president. A nervy yeah. blonde with a lot <laughs> yeah. of power? Yeah. My goodness. 
<laughs> she, uh, I think that there is definitely like, it's a wink, but the, the, the emergence of President Danforth also signals this film's complete departure from quote-unquote reality, which is that President Danforth has a beach estate where she seems to be holding a rave yeah. and also <laughs> employing a South African kill squad. <laughs> Who is that guy in the kill squad in the last half of the film? Don't tell me there's a beekeeper here, bro. <laughs> <laughs> that guy is the fucking legend. Who is that? Hold on, I'm going to find out who that guy is. Uh... I saw a beekeeper once, man. <laughs> <laughs> And he fucking lost his leg. It takes that guy like 19 rounds to the heart to die too. Like he puts up an incredible fight against Statham. Yeah. Uh, this is such a silly, ridiculous movie. And I kept trying to figure out what it was trying to say, which of course is the dumbest thing you can do while watching yeah. a beekeeper. Because it's not really trying to say anything. I do think that you could be like, you could read it that the world needs a check yes. on even the highest levels of power. But there needs to be a... It's a, it's, it's fucking Taxi Driver. There it, needs it, to be a great rain come through, it, you know? It is, it is very Taxi Driver. It is a little bit Jan 6, you know? It, it's a, extremely Jan 6. Yeah. There's, Why there's, are you there's, telling... There's I didn't write it. <laughs> I just had fun watching You it. just came in here and we're like, no, 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 no. This is... There's like a scene where Jeremy Irons is... Like informing some other like secret squad, but like yeah, they, CAA sanctioned secret squad about the beekeeper and what they have to do that is just like reverse QAnon. To be you know? fair, those guys don't follow his instructions. He's like, <laughs> if you stay like far away from him with rifles, you can probably get him, but don't come into contact with him. And they all try to fist fight him. <laughs> but it's like, but and but the mythology around the beekeeper is like his one noble goal is to like protect to protect the order of society society yeah. and so he's going to kill and then, then there's some stuff about bees how people will kill the, bees the if the queen did you read about bees before this no, you want to share anymore but there's a moment where the FBI agent is like bees are really interesting and just <laughs> yeah, because reads, like, she's eight reading like facts. a very <laughs> very thin factoid book uh, you know like that she bought at urban outfitters no, about she found bees. it <laughs> she found it in the truck of the tech okay, right yeah. well I, I mean it's not like an encyclopedia of bees you know it's the highlights and so he's killing everyone He's like killing all of the leaders who have failed society in yeah. order to protect society. Yeah. As an outsider, which I just, you know, that's what that movie's about. <laughs> I just want to point out that the the South African's name is Taylor James. Uh -huh. He plays a character named Lazarus. <laughs> He's incredible. Uh, he was born in Seven Oaks, England, but oh. he moved to South Africa where he was schooled and then moved back to Kent. Okay. So you're getting this very particular blend he's, he's of like pumping. Cockney South African? Kind of, yeah. But also like the, the best part about it is that his crew looks like they are being pulled out of like a, a late period John Carpenter movie. Yeah. Even though like the president is, is present at this like beach estate and is also like there's a high security risk, but she's like what we're going to do is throw a rave. Well, no, I, Josh, Hutch Josh Hutcherson is throwing the rave. Oh, that's right. Because he he's asked like, can I bring some of my tech over, friends And over? she was like, yeah, but no drugs. And that doesn't work. But then she walks in on him doing coke and yeah. she's just like, light my cigarette for me. Do you think that they knew that this movie was going to make like $150 million? <laughs> I, 
I don't. Like, if you told me this was just a straight-to-VOD movie, I'd be like, cool, it happens. You know, like Jeremy Irons is sometimes in a straight-to-VOD movie. Yeah. On the flip side, this is, I think, the biggest movie of 2024 so far. Yeah. And is it because we all have, like, a bloodlust for Hunter Biden? Because, like, like, can you, how many, how many of the last 10 Jason Statham movies can you name? Uh, quite a few. Okay. F- fire away. <laughs> uh, I mean, The Mechanic. That's that was not ten years ago. Uh, the The Wrath of Man. Wrath of Man. That's one. The couple of Fast and Furious movies and Hobbs and Shaw movies. Right? Yeah, you got F Nine, Fast X, Hobbs and Shaw. That's four. Uh, I I don't know. Like I just feel like they're all the same movie. They're all like the the mechanic. You know, like so. That's the thing is he had been doing only those movies. He had been doing only movies where he just is like throat punching guys for right. four hours, and then he pivoted to the Meg and Fast and the Furious. All right. So he's basically got the Meg and the Meg 2. But before that, he had Mechanic Mechanic Resurrection, Wild Card, Homefront, Hummingbird, Parker, Safe, Killer Elite, Blitz. Killer Elite, I, I saw that. The Mechanic. Well, yeah. that was a remake of a great movie. Yeah. You know, the Crank movies, the Transporter trilogy. Like, he's made 20 plus movies that are just like this movie. Some of those movies were hits. Most of them were not. Most of them were kind of like mid-tier, like $40 million movies that Lionsgate put out. But this movie, for some reason, has really taken off. Now, some of it might be what we talked about earlier in the week, that there's just a dearth of material this year. yeah. And so this is filling a gap of some kind. I have one other theory about this. Okay. If I told you, if you were sitting in the theater and you watched the Beekeeper trailer, I'd say that there's a better than 50% chance you're like, I got to see this. I got to see how this guy keeps bees. I got to see what he does to these people. Because they give away the Felicia Rashad piece in the trailer. Mm-hmm. So you're like, I got to see what he does. The Felicia Rashad piece, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. And I, so I, there's like a baseline of interest in just like, oh, fuck, man. They killed Mrs. Cosby. We got to go get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Then, yeah. then there's also an element of just like, yeah, there's nothing else out. It's like, what are you going to go see? Would you rather see Beekeeper or One Love, right? Like, mm-hmm. Let me tell you, you would rather see Beekeeper. Beekeeper. On top of that, like, this is why they should make original movies is because if I told you this was Beekeeper 2 or 3 and you really needed to have seen the other Beekeeper movies to understand the intricacies of, like, the Beekeeper organization and Jeremy Irons, like, hasn't been killed yet so you have to keep him in, like, my... It's like, This is original storytelling salvation is what you're saying. But it's original, but not. Because here's the thing. Like, I, you know, it's... Cyber crimes and and Hunter Biden and all of this stuff, but it is also like Jason Statham needs to get revenge on someone. Yeah. You know, like yeah. you under yeah. it is original, but also you know exactly what it but is. But it's the same thing with Wick. When Wick came out, people were like, "Holy shit, they killed his dog!" I don't care about anything else but him fucking up the Russian mob for killing his dog. Wick three and four, it's like, what's the continental? What's like <laughs> the know. rules of like the the French oversight board? Like, Here's I the- love those movies, but I'm just saying, like, I can see like Joe average. I see five movies a year goes and sees like Oppenheimer, and then the Beekeeper runs before the Oppenheimer. <laughs> 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 do you, do you but, think that's happening? But, and it's just like, I'm gonna go see this. Let's unpack it a little bit more though, <laughs> because like the be- the premise of the Beekeeper is literally somebody ripped off this guy's landlady yeah and he got super mad 
Well, I like, think he's if recovering you're from his emotional. She, right. He says that she was the only person who saw him as a real person yeah. and gave yes. him a real chance. And yes. he's probably except and for the beekeeper organization, which gave him a career. Well, yeah, but I think they exploited him. You know, well, they, yeah. that may be true. And so he didn't get to be himself, and now he's just a man making bees. What's amazing is that the beekeeper is a canvas that you can paint yeah. with your own psychology. You're yeah. worried about land ownership. You're thinking like this company took advantage of him. I'm thinking just like he seemed like a pretty happy retired guy, but. Yeah. Like was into being invited over to dinner. What do you think the beekeeper's four hundred one k is like? Like where? What percentage are they I think matching? It's outrageously, it's are they matching great. at like twenty eight percent? Like how high? I think he has a Swiss account that's just like yeah. compound interest. You know? Okay. Here's one thing I would say about the beekeeper: not a lot of bees in this well, they, movie because Josh Hutcherson blows them all up. Yeah, but I know, but it's just like not there we aren't. Are the bees? No, I, I mean he I understand to keep that. Us yeah, under right. Control. And then he has to kill the queen, right? right? Because the queen isn't producing the right type of air Honey. to no i thought it's that if the if basically if the queen has too many fail sons then they oh, kill the right. queen that's right because she's responsible right. for the fail sons which right. is an interesting sociological uh <laughs> thing to unpack at a yeah, later well, date. As, a, as a mother of a son <laughs> sure. how do you feel you know this is complicated stuff <laughs> uh like that is not on me <laughs> it's 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 a very surprising kind of funny callback to just what movies were 25 years ago yeah. yes. where a movie like this comes out in in January and everybody's like okay I guess I'll go see that and then they all went and they were like oh, that's stupid but I had fun Yeah, and maybe it's definitely about how Democrats are dumbasses but right. maybe not I think it's it's also about how much people probably feel like an ambient level of fear about like getting ripped off. The cybercrime aspect is, is very, very successful. Yeah. It really works well. And it it's like there, I think there was all, I mean, like, I think that the internet is just really like magnified, like our neurosis about like everywhere I go for like a little bit of convenience, I also go to get like ripped off a little bit. Mm -hmm. So everything that's cool about the internet that you can just like buy something and it shows up at your house, but it's just like now my number, my card number is out there. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there's like this, this dark side of it. And I think, uh, I think it's it's very effective in that way. And I just I think it would be interesting to chart vengeance movies since Death Wish over like what was actually happening in society and to the degree to which the successful ones corresponded with that. I feel like we did do a revenge movies episode, but I can't recall. I'd like to do something about Kill Bill in the near future too, or in okay. the in the twentieth anniversary of yeah, Kill Bill. Yeah, but like Bill. when the Taken when Taken came out, was it just simply that like it was like Liam Neeson's turn to like they, people were just like, This is incredible. He's got a special set of skills. Um, I think that there was so, there. This is an odd thing to say, but I think that there was like a human trafficking fear at that time, and that that it, it kind of leveraged that. Whatever is like speaking the, of QAnon. Well, exactly. I mean, yeah. these things all come back. Obviously, we're just we're six months removed from Sound of Freedom being one of the biggest movies of the year. Like, the I think there's a little say, bit of that going on. It's really kind of nice the <laughs> the way you say QAnon. <laughs> Shows that you don't really think about QAnon that much because you're like QAnon. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> QAnon. QAnon. I don't. I, I don't really. Like, yeah. I, those. I don't think about it. Those that much. people need some help from scratch. Why don't you give us the entire? History? <laughs> uh, any other thoughts about the beekeeper? Uh, do you want a beekeeper too? We're going to get one. Yeah. I'm not sure if I feel as excited. I did want to ask you, you know, sometimes you say you go to a movie like this and you feel a little bored by just the kind of oncoming waves of action. But if done well, you can be interested in it. Where does this fall then on sort of like the John Wick scale of interested or not interested in terms of watching those sequences in the movie? Oh, the action itself? Yeah. Oh, it's pretty fun because it's creative. I mean, th this is simplistic, but like 
the fewer guns and the more choreography they have to do, the more exciting it is for me. Did you like it when he tied the guy to the pickup truck and drove the pickup truck yeah. off the drip bridge? Yeah, my, cool. my favorite part by far is when he wanders into a crowd of FBI agents outside of the building. He's I trying to penetrate and just them. beats the shit out of 15 guys in <laughs> yeah. one minute. I was, I was like, this, this beekeeper yeah. is really, he's on one. Um, well, Chris, thanks so much for sharing your thoughts here. Okay. Did, did, did you want to say anything about Madam Webb? Um, I'm really looking forward to this episode of the podcast okay. of, of hearing you guys talk about it. I Are you going to come with us to see it? I'm on the fence about Madam Web. Okay. okay. I am. I think it, I, I guess, can I just, can, have you guys talked about Dakota yet? So you haven't done the episode, this part of the yeah, episode. Yeah, and yet. we haven't, we haven't seen it as of the recording of this. Are we allowed that, to say that? You Are you mad? Is it like no, too no, much behind no, no. the curtain? Is what Dakota Johnson has done yeah. to promote this film, mm-hmm. which has given so many people so much joy. Is it actually promoting the film? It I, is for me. I want to explore that after seeing the movie. Okay. And I think that we are in a we're in a kind of Apple Vision Pro of marketing <laughs> around movies. Yeah. You know, we're I, sort of like everything is in the in the metaverse. <laughs> I know you're not actually there, but like you're right. I'm the marketing the, of movies yeah. has gone to a new level of irony that is making it challenging to know what anybody thinks yeah. about what anything anyone is doing. What do you think? I'm so excited. To right. go ironically ex- participate in this experience because of Dakota Johnson, I, I and I love her. And last on the episode that we just recorded that ran last week, I was just talking about how she is like officially my new queen because like, just like she's the only I don't give a fuck celebrity that we have. It's I she still surprises me. Like it, I don't mm-hmm. know how she's going to be weird, you know. And I just and funny and I love it. Do you think that? Just devil's advocate. Yeah. She is someone who operates from an attitude as if she has contributed somehow to cinema at all, but she in fact has not. I have a whole a whole thought process about this. Okay. Because she just finished she just made three independent movies, all of which were very not well received and or didn't even get distributed. Just this Cha Cha Real Smooth. Cha Cha Real Smooth. And then there's a movie called I'm Okay that premiered at Sundance 2022. That got acquired by Max, but has not still not been seen. Okay. And then she was just in this film, Daddy-O, uh, with Sean Penn, that premiered a Telluride that I st- think also still does not have distribution. Is that the ambulance movie? No. Uh, I don't know the premise. I okay. haven't seen it. So those three movies have all kind of come and gone, and she was trying to make movies with young filmmakers that are supposed to be interesting, right. and she's trying to evolve her career away from Fifty Shades and this franchise stuff, but she's like, you know, you got to make movies for money. And none of those movies really worked, or at least nobody got a chance to see them. And now everybody is talking about Madam fucking Webb. And she's like, I did this because my agency was like, you'll get $9 million for this movie or whatever it was. (laughs) And everybody is like, Dakota Johnson is my new queen. You know, like Amanda is like, this is, this is mother. And I'm no, I'm not like that. As a a mother, I I don't think I can all, I don't know that that's how the hierarchy works. I honestly haven't investigated it, but I just, I, I really like her. I also... I think she's finally cementing her status as my queen, but I've been a fan for a long time. She's, I mean, she's the Architectural Digest yeah. She has a unique is, energy. You know, yeah. yeah. My, I'm not totally sure I understand her talents. And so I'm still, I'm, I'm holding, I'm holding my, my powder dry here. Okay. Okay. Uh, uh, well, this is, what a segue into our next segment. Momentarily, we will discuss Madam Webb. Thanks, CR. You got it. Thank you. 
This episode is brought to you by Mint Mobile. Spring is such a refreshing time of year. Flowers are blooming and you're getting your house in order. But now is also a good time to take a second look at your wireless plan because you might be overpaying. Right now, Mint Mobile has unlimited talk, text, and data plans for $15 a month when you buy a three-month plan. To get this new customer offer, go to mintmobile.com slash bigpick. That's mintmobile.com slash bigpick. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month for first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. Okay, Sean, top three movie snacks of all time, go. Um, all right, let me think. Uh, popcorn? Obviously. Hmm. Ice cream? That's two. Oh, and uh, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, of course. Peanut butter and chocolate is a pretty perfect combination. Some may even say the ultimate movie snack. You can't argue with that. Find Reese's now at a store near you. This episode is brought to you by Sonic. Let me tell you a little secret. If you want to end the day on an even better note, get yourself a sweet frozen treat from Sonic. Especially since right now at Sonic, you can get half-price shakes after 7 p.m. when you order online or in the app. That's creamy soft serve, hand-mixed with your favorite flavors for half the price in any size and flavor. So save on your chocolate shake today, your strawberry shake tomorrow, and your cheesecake shake the next day. Grab Sonic half-price shakes after 7 p.m. now. Exclusions apply. Available for a limited time only at participating Sonic drive-ins. From bees to spiders. It's time to talk about Madam Web. We've now seen Madam Web. We've seen Madam Web. On the previous segment, we hadn't yet seen Madam Web. And now we have. So why don't you describe for the listeners the the manner in which we saw the film? Um, So after uh, many scheduling adjustments, you informed me that you would be seeing Madam Web... (laughs) On uh, at two p.m. on Valentine's Day, opening day, uh, at a at a theater near our home, and I was also going to need to find a way to see Madame Webb on Valentine's Day, and the theater was already near our home, so I thought, sure, well, I guess I'll go with Sean. You didn't offer the opportunity to purchase the tickets together. No, um, I already had bought the tickets. And so I, I also was not invited to the screening of this film for reasons that are still oh, mysterious to me. Nor was I. I didn't even know there was one. Um I I you purchased a ticket and so I logged on to Fandango to then learn that of course you had chosen the time to be able to see Madame Webb in Dolby Cinema. I mean, of course. Because yeah, why why skimp on quality? Of course. Uh, I identified your seat because it was the only one on the aisle. Purchased the seat next to you, and then we attended Madame Web at two p.m. with a one third full theater. Um, you could hear a pin drop during the entire <laughs> entire film, despite the Dolby surround. So, Madame Web is the 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 directorial debut of S. J. Clarkson, who's a British TV film director. Uh, this is. Um, She'd been trying to get some big projects off the ground in the last few years. This is the one she got signed up for. It is a part of the Sony Spider-Man expanded universe, which we will talk about a little bit in depth. Let me just read you the plot description for Madam Webb. Cassandra Webb is a New York City paramedic who starts to show signs of clairvoyance. Forced to confront revelations about her past, she must protect three young women from a mysterious adversary who wants them dead. Now, many people are aware of Madam Web because of the remarkable press tour that Dakota <laughs> Johnson has embarked upon to either sell or anti-sell 
this movie in which she plays a kind of newfangled spider-inflected superhero. This is quite simply one of the worst movies of the year. It is one of the worst movies of the decade. I was trying to think of what is the short list, and we will get into some serious questions about this movie as we talk through it, of the worst studio movies of the decade. Right. Here's the Hold problem on, with can it. can I zag a little? Of course, absolutely. Is it like that bad? Well, I, I want to talk about it. I'm, I'm <laughs> I, glad like, you put it that way. You know, it's it, really bad. Really bad. Um, Which is really, like, silly. Okay, so— And delivers on— Nothing that you would want from, I guess, a superhero movie, mm-hmm. a Spider-Man movie, or a Spider-Person movie, uh, an extended universe movie, a Marvel movie, or frankly, a Dakota Johnson movie, with the exception of one scene at a baby shower, which I, I did think was very funny, and I'll like think about for some time. Spoiler alert! It's a baby shower for Peter Parker. Like crazy. Just one of many... Easter eggs dropped in the direction of the Spider-Man story. So, like, it's really, really, really bad. Terrible script. Like... Wooden acting. People are not in the same room together. Incoherent. It's just... It's really bad. But, like... I don't know. I've seen a lot of these at this point. It just kind of... It just rolled off me. You know? I was like, oh, this is fine. I think that's a a testimony to your strength. You know, you have like iguana skin when it comes to this kind of thing. Put me in the hot blazing sun and I will persist. Do things roll off iguanas? I thought they had like quite scaly skin. Well, just that you're, you can't be pierced, you know? Oh, sure. You know, that you have a strength. I have no idea about iguana skin. I'm just, I'm I'm riffing. I I mean, and also they have like a lot of ridges. So I think it's, there are like a lot of obstacles to whatever liquid rolling off an iguana. If you could be a superhero, would you be the iguana? (laughs) No. Okay. Um, On the one hand, you're right. We've seen a lot of bad movies like this. I think people have made this comparison, but what it actually feels more like is the early Fantastic Four movies or the Ben Affleck Daredevil movies. When when sort of like before Kevin Feige had come along and kind of taught us what our modern superhero movie was in terms of tone, in terms of execution, that there could be like such varying levels of quality with the acting, with the way that the script is written, with the way that it's filmed. That once in a while you'd get one. Like sometimes you get Blade and you'd be like, wow, pretty cool, like vampire, uh, you know, kung fu movie. And then sometimes you'd get Electra starring Jennifer Garner and you'd be like, whoa, this is really one of the worst movies of the year. Still love Jennifer Garner. She's great. And she's not a bad Electra, but it's a terrible movie. Nevertheless, I think, would you be asking that question about its terribleness and whether it is actually that terrible if we did not have the D- Dakota Johnson press tour? And if we did not have the the humor derived from the meme of the line in the trailer, would you? W- so if, if there, if there down, just weren't all the fanfare before yes. Madam Web, Amanda is is. If I weren't bringing my knowledge, you're born to on Web. Mars. Okay, or I'm born in the Amazon, but in a human society. Okay, you're not born in the Amazon. <laughs> trust me. In this in this particular case, you're not born in the Amazon. You're born on Mars. But we've colonized surprisingly Mars. Surprisingly stress-free water birth, given the circumstances. <laughs> Very quiet throughout. There are actually two women in labor in this movie. Yes. And neither of them, They're like, screaming. speaks above, uh, like, a, a whisper. So you'd say that's not accurate. That, that's, yeah. This is, a, this is a film, you know, directed by you a woman starring you women. You know what I'll never forget? Is like, the night I got to the hospital uh-huh. to give birth. And, you know, they're, like, hooking you up to all the monitors. I was hoping we'd get And then the you hear from you hear a scream from down the hall that is like 
literally out of a horror movie. Mm-hmm. It's just like someone is absolutely getting murdered down that hall. And I'll never forget the nurse just like whispering to me, like sort of timidly. And she was like, she's not on any pain medication. Like as trying to make me feel better about the fact of like what's going down the hall and what's coming for me. Um, people are loud. People are having problems. And neither of these women had access to epidurals uh, as in their circumstances. Well, well. Well, oh, that's so. A, I oh, think interesting. I think interesting. Madam Webb's mom. I like that. I like that theory. Received a kind of epidural. Yeah. By way of this. Yeah. Extraordinarily unique say, spider and its Spider-Man in community. Any form are amazing. Um. It's for, if you want it, and if you don't, you don't. Listen. Once again, it's your choice. I'm very grateful that I had mine. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to share any personal yeah. experience <laughs> on this podcast, but um, I just want everybody to be safe and happy. That's yeah. my that's my message. Uh, I I wanted Madam Webb's mom to be safe and happy, but unfortunately, she wasn't because she encountered a man in the Peruvian jungle in 1973. And I'll I'll let the listeners know that uh, Madam Webb is a period piece set during 2003, <laughs> but it opens on a flashback in 1973. Great year for cinema. Great year for uh, rock and roll music, as I recall. But she's down in Peru, and she's looking for a spider. She finds the spider, and then there's a guy there, played by Tahar Rahim, who's like, I'm going to need that spider. And he shoots a pregnant woman to get the spider. Very upsetting sequence. Yeah. But then, some some arañas, some spider men of the Peruvian jungle, save her? Spider people. Spider humans? Spider persons? I'm not sure what the nomenclature is. They rescue her and take her to a magical pool where a spider in bites a her. In a cave. A spider bites her. And that spider, I guess, grants powers to her then being birthed do- daughter. Right. But then she dies in the act of childbirth after that. Right. Due to a gunshot wound from a man who stole a spider from her. Right. This is the, the first thing you see in the movie. And also maybe like bleeding into water, you know? Is that bad? It's not good, Right. I I think getting shot is not good in this particular case. Um, So that's the setup for this movie, which then ultimately becomes a story about uh, a very blank, affected paramedic Mm -hmm. who has a hard time relating to people, Mm -hmm. but then increasingly sees the future. Mm -hmm. And her name is Cassandra. Why is her name Cassandra? <laughs> because Cassandra sees the future. Yeah. So why is so she her name her last name is Webb Web with two B's. W E B B. But yeah. the film is called Madam Webb. Mm-hmm. I've 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 constructed a series of questions about These the are film good Madam questions. Webb. Thank you. Um, I thought that would be the best way to kind of talk through this film. Um, I didn't add this question, but it occurred to me. I added it. You, oh, you did. Yeah, okay. well, in, a, in a sub in a subcategory, so okay. that we didn't tip over from fifteen. Let's let's just. Let's, okay, you've got 15 questions here. 15 questions about Madam Webb. And this is something I'd like to do in the future when we encounter a film that okay, is I love as, it. as befuddling Remember as Remember when this. we did 100 Things That We Love about Top Gun Maverick? That was that was really good podcasting. Yeah. Well, as someone who's just seen Dune Part 2, perhaps we shall return to oh, that Oh, that's convention. exciting. Yes. Okay. Um, number one, what happened here? What ha- Like, what happened? This is a movie made by a major studio with a very seasoned filmmaker and big stars, you know, obviously Sidney Sweeney is in this movie, which is we'll, we'll, we'll get of. into uh, momentarily. You know, Tahar Rahim is a wonderful actor who's been in some great films over the last 15 years, most recently seen in Napoleon. Dakota Johnson, you know, is not Ingrid Bergman, but she's she's alive. She's got presence. She, yes. she does. It's a unique presence. Yes. Uh, and you Is it well to- suited to Madam Webb, would you say? Well, to so the part where she's a paramedic who can't connect with people, sure. You thought that was good. 
Did you see the clip of her driving, like doing the stunt driving? No. She she can drive relatively fast and take turns. Relative to and- normal episodes of this show, would you say you did significantly more research in sort of looking into how this film was made? Because you seem to know a lot about it. <laughs> like Instagram Explore tab has been working hard okay. to share these clips with me. Um, so she can drive and she can, you know, roll her eyes at a baby shower. We're getting into the Dakota Johnson question. Okay. So I don't want to get into that yet. What happened here? Like, what do you think happened? Was it a bad script? Did, I, I mean, did... I do think it was a, a bad concept and a bad script. Because what is this? This is a prequel for... I, I, genuinely, I don't know whether this is a prequel for Madam Webb, a character who I don't know anything about, even after having seen the movie, or whether it's a prequel, intended prequel, by the way, because I, who knows? That doesn't there seem like there will not be any more film. of this. Um, for three different Spider Girls, only one of whom you told me is actually named Spider Girl. I believe that's right. I'm not an expert on this part of the canon. And then also how it's a prequel for the birth of Spider-Man. and In a way. Maybe the way that Spider-Girl and Spider-Man are related, even though they're not. In a way, that is the case. Okay. We'll get to some of that. But I don't understand... You've got so, this incredibly so like, valuable IP Right, here. but so basically, my point is, like, what is this is the first problem. Like, mm-hmm. no one, like, th- that's, like, a preposterous diagram that even even if, like, there were a completed diagram and someone could tell you, yes, this is a prequel for how Spider-Girl m- met her two best friends and then, like, imported the spider that someone else turned, set loose on Peter Parker or whatever. Like, that's really stupid. But so that's problem number one. Problem number two is that you can't, there is actually no real answer to that diagram. Mm-hmm. There's no sense of purpose. And then, of course, three that yields like a preposterous script. It's very confusing. I can understand how they got to the point where they thought that they should make a Madam Web movie that previews. Who is for, Madam Web? I, well, she's the woman played by Dakota Johnson named Cassandra Webb. Right. But like in your little spider world, who is Madam Web? I don't know. So, does anyone know? Yeah, yes, she is a canonical character. Okay. But she's not a character that I'm up on. Okay. Well, maybe you should have done that research before this podcast. It's actually much funnier if I don't. Okay. <laughs> so I'm just Googling Madam Web now. She's kind of like the Madam she's Web kind of like the Professor character. X of the of the spider universe. And that's which one is Professor X? He's the telepath who actor names. Uh, Patrick Stewart. Okay, thank you. James McAvoy. <laughs> thank you. Does that work? That's, yes. Okay. Um, she's someone who is sort of like uh, uses her mind, like her clairvoyant abilities okay. to help guide. And she Hold helps on. Spider-Man. Me, yeah, I'm reading the, sec- the third sentence of Wikipedia. She is usually depicted as a supporting character in the Spider-Man comic book series where she appears as an elderly woman with myasthenia gravis. Sorry for that. Connected to a life support system resembling a spider web. Wow. Okay. And that's a, oh, interesting. So the um, condition that I couldn't pronounce is a neuromuscular disease, which yeah. does figure prominently Put a in note this story. In that yes. for the story. Okay. So she's, she's a clairvoyant and precognitive mutant, of course. Yes. And you know what mutants are? Um, 
X-Men? Those are the X-Men. Yeah. Now, I don't think there was an intention to bring the mutants to the Sony Spider-Man universe purposefully, Mm -hmm. but, you know, because the Tom Holland films have been so successful, because Venom has been so successful, because Spider-Verse has been so successful, Sony, which has the rights to the Spider-Universe, is attempting to adapt other characters into stories. We saw, um, I think El Muerto was um, the film that Bad Bunny had gotten into development, and they were going to make that, which would have been one of the first, uh, before Blue Beetle would have been one of the first uh, Latin superheroes that we had seen. I think that movie went into turnaround and now isn't happening. But it was announced around the same time as this Madam Web movie. But Madam Web is not, it's not like when they were like, we're going to do a Wolverine movie after X-Men. It's like Wolverine is one of the most popular and coolest characters in comic book history. I don't know anything about Madam Web, and I read comic books for 15 years. So it was a very weird choice. But you could see because they're just desperate to make something. But once they got to that point, they really needed to have something solid if they were going to make a movie around this fairly obscure character. They simply did not do that. Okay, next question. Is Dakota Johnson a good actor? Yes. You just got to put her in the right position. You what know? Is the, has been the best use of her thus far? Very good in The Social Network. Okay, she's, she's in one scene. She's very good in five-year engagement. Okay, I'll go with that. Um, she she steals that movie honestly from everybody else. Okay. Uh, she she wasn't right for the Fifty Shades of Grey movies, but that's okay. You win some, you lose some. You know what she's wonderful in? What? One of my favorite movies of the twenty first century, which I think was my number one movie for the year that it came out, twenty fifteen. A bigger splash. Oh, fantastic! The Luca Guadagnino. Yeah. Movie. She's really good in that. Right. The Fifty Shades movie can kind of take it or leave it. Right. Personally, I don't, I don't, I don't hate them, but they're just not for me. Um, she was really good in Lost Daughter. She was. Yeah. She was. So she has a place. And by the way, that's those are both dramatic roles and comedic roles. You're right. We talked about how she is attempting to navigate a modern movie star career, which is very hard. And we talk about it on the show all the time. I guess you could have made the case that we should have done a movie star playbook for Dakota here. On the other hand, she's only gotten more famous. Yeah. At least on the internet. Yeah. Over the course of the last month, because of the way that she has engaged in every interview regarding this film, maybe like more famous to the people at at large. I mean, this is she's been powerful for a very long time. Remember when she like went on Ellen and was like, I "You do. didn't invite me to your birthday party, An Ellen." Elite and moment. yeah, like, and she is she has had those the Architectural Digest tour. I know that I have talked about it. Many times, but it's really one of those you got to see it for yourself moments. Then the revelation that she was just like making weird stuff up in that because she didn't know what to say because they just set dressed it with all these limes um, and she hates limes. I, you know, it's it's powerful stuff that doesn't come around that often. Okay, so then a follow up question to is she a good actor? Is she a genius? Yes. Like, do you think that she is orchestrating these moves or is she a kind of zealot figure? who finds herself in remarkable circumstances. Because she she could potentially have an incredibly wry and amusing sense of humor. Or she could be a little checked out on stuff. Why can't it be both? Well, that's interesting. Yeah. Maybe that's the I answer. think she's just special, you know, special in that if way. If you watch her in the Please Don't Destroy sketch from SNL yeah. a few weeks ago, she's obviously got great comic timing. If you watch her being interviewed, did you see the clip of her trying to oh, name yeah. the three Spider-Man no, movies. Yeah. Which, like, she has far superseded Gwyneth Paltrow forgetting what movie you, she was but in. But do you know who Dakota Johnson is in a long-term relationship with? 
Chris Martin. Yes. yes. And do you know that she is regularly featured like on Gwyneth's Instagram? Like they all spend Thanksgiving together. Oh, that's nice. And they're like buds. How and it's like, it's just, it's really galaxy brain amazing stuff okay. that's happening. Where are you out on Coldplay these days? Haven't. What are they up to? Uh, touring the world. Are they still? Just delighting do they audiences, have new I music? Uh, I think in the last couple of years, yeah. I kind of lost touch. I haven't heard it. But I like first, I'm first 2.5 albums, bangers. Yeah, yeah. I like I'm I'm pro the good Coldplay. Don't know what's up with them now, but I don't really know what's up with new music. I just learned about Jack Harlow. So, from a Dunkin' You just Do- learned about From him. a Dunkin' Donuts commercial. He's rolling with your man. Yeah, no yeah, I know. He was that's with your guy. that's why I googled. We'll get to him in a minute. Uh, so I asked is this the worst studio movie of the decade? You think it is? I I thought Fast X was like really really bad and really worse than this because there was something about the cravenness combined with the bad acting and just the absolutely terrible CGI. Mm-hmm. Like, this just looks uninspired bad. It doesn't look like we spent $500 million to try to convince you that computer pixels are beautiful bad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? So, I'm a little less offended by it. Yeah, I I I agree. I agree. I agree. Is it is it the biggest joke of the decade? Maybe. But that, every like almost everyone's in on the joke. Okay. At this point. So, question number 4 then. Except Wh- except for I guess the people who released it. But like Dakota Johnson is like out here being like I haven't seen it. I don't know when I'll see it. Which I find very amusing. Yeah. Um I, even though she did attend the premiere, which means she, she walked left, the red yeah. carpet and just bailed. Many people do that. Yeah, so, so no party afterwards or anything? I mean, she could have gone to dinner and then gone to the party. Yeah, that's nice. Do Where do people you think they do went? that? Where was the premiere? Uh, I don't know. Okay, so probably... I think it was in the Peruvian jungle. Okay, so probably somewhere around there. Uh, why is the line from the trailer, which is, quote, he was in the Amazon with my mom when she was researching spiders right before she died, not in this movie? Mm-hmm. So here has my, been my theory about that line from the beginning, which is that it like it is actually AI. That okay. that okay. they put in the and that and th- th- that sounds weird that they put in the trailer to cover some like expository trailer problems, you know. Um, so that in the span okay. of you so you know, think it's it was like, it's never like a, in the movie? Yeah, you I don't think, think it was right. cut after they learned no. that the the internet had been making fun of this line, no, this overly expository line. No, you don't think it was ADR after because the fact by Dakota sa- Johnson? She says incredibly dumb stuff similar to this, you know? Yeah. I did feel like some of that was in the delivery, okay. which is why I still think it was AI. Or, I mean, it could have been ADR'd, like, from her car, you know? I find this to be a curious <laughs> choice because, at a minimum, People you would, have like, a, cheer yeah. Nicole Kidman style? You, you, have a, you have an opportunity for, like, a little bit of, like, a well, Rocky Horror or the Room kind of situation where yeah. you can, we can all participate in this moment when the line happens. So to just be sitting in this... A 116-minute movie that is so bland and boring and not, and not even get cheer. the line. I don't know. It diminishes the experience. I, like, I agree. But I... They didn't want to give us the satisfaction? Do you think that's what was going on? They're not that quick on the uptake. When okay. I said everyone is in on the joke, I think I meant everybody but the people in charge of editing this trailer and movie. Okay. You know? Okay. So we sort of addressed this already, but I need to just enunciate it one more time. Yeah. Why did they make a superhero prequel for superheroes no one knows about or cares about? I, to make, try to make money? But if you were going to do to that. To try to make girl money? Well, <laughs> I love girl money. Yeah, me I love, too. I love when there's, you know, there's money that girls are that, getting. I wish that I could spend more of my girl boss money, but they never give me the chance. I, <laughs> what, <laughs> what currency is girl boss money? 
<laughs> What's pink, obviously. Okay. <laughs> you want to say anything? Is it lira? What is it? <laughs> it could be, right? It still doesn't exist. Yeah, the, but the inflation. like I like the rate, idea of you yeah. holding your lira, though, just yeah. in case <laughs> like, it comes back. Like literally buckets of it to be able to buy like one donut. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah. That actually, that is how girl boss conversion rates work. Yes. 70% on the 100%. <laughs> of course, we all understand no that. offense to the great people of Italy. Uh, so there's just no superhero stuff in this movie. There's yeah. one big final battle sequence between yeah. the Tahari. She holds character. a piece of rubble like a shield. <laughs> Which is amusing, but it's like, is this like a Captain America callback? Like, I, is this in the Madam Web canon that she's good at grabbing a shard of metal as a shield? I don't know. Maybe if you'd done that research, I know, we would know. I know. I failed today. I apologize. Okay. Um, I, I, I find the decision making to make this a prequel rather than a movie that is actually about a team of young women who all have spider-like abilities. Mm-hmm. Genuinely weird. Kind of mystifying. Yeah. They uh, don't really do anything. Except sometimes, sometimes Dakota Johnson, a.k.a. Cassandra Webb, a.k.a. Cassie, a.k.a. Madam Webb. Madame Webb. Madame Webb. Um, sees the future. But honestly, the editing in this movie is so confusing that it takes a while for you to understand whether she's seeing the future or the past. And it's not actually really clear what her, like, telekinetic abilities yeah. actually are. I rarely say, well, I have a question about that. I rarely say this though, <laughs> but I genuinely found that particular aspect of the movie just annoying. Just the inability to understand what was precognitive and what had already happened and the way that it was cut together, unpleasant to watch. And yeah. I'm usually really willing to roll with it with these yeah. kinds of movies. But you also weren't really willing to roll with that uh, in Argyle. That's true. That's true. Well, so these things maybe have something the problem in common. is with you. They are in a, yeah. a death duel to be the worst movie of the year so far. <laughs> oh, I was going to say also, they were paid for with girl lyrics. So <laughs> maybe the problem is you. Is that in the credits at the end of a movie paid for by girl lira? Yeah. Um, and all proceeds go to the girl bosses of the United <laughs> States of girl Boston. Uh, so what's the deal with uh, Tahar Rahim's ADR performance so this, in this movie. is, like, you turned to me 30 minutes in. And I, like, and as I was having the same thought of, like, he's not actually saying any of these words. Like, his whole performance is ADR'd. You see his mouth saying words, like, four times And total, they don't match. And then all the other times it's on Zasha Mamet's face as she's looking at a bunch of TV screens. Or, you know, he's racing down the street or he's wearing a mask or he's in a car and we see the we see his head at a weird angle. Like, we were seeing the back of his head while he's talking. It's just bizarre. Like, was this character completely different? Was it because Tahar Rahim's accent in, during his performance wasn't right? Like, what happened here? I think they must have rewritten every single bit of what was going on with him, which is maybe also why they had to add in lines to the trailer mm. to explain him that don't exist. It seems like everything about him was changed. It's 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 terribly, terribly confusing watching the movie and executed quite poorly. Like it is this movie is dire at times mm-hmm. when you're watching something like this. Even a common moviegoer who doesn't really think about how things are made ever is going to be like, why is this character like this? Anyhow, next question. So, the, as I said, the movie is set in 2003, but was it actually meant to be set in the 90s, but they changed it to 2003 midway through to fit the Tom Holland Spider-Man chronology? And I ask this because, one, it was suggested by a couple of reporters that it was originally set in the 90s, and two... There are just all kinds of 90s references, a bunch of needle drops in the movie. Mm-hmm. We hear the Cranberries, we hear Four Non Blondes, we hear Meredith Brooks. 
And the no energy is, is very, no cell phones. The energy is very like Gwen Stefani from a style perspective. You oh, know, she looks so good. I mean, I, I was bored. So I spent 20 minutes trying to figure out who makes those jeans that she's making. But you're right. They're all wearing docs. They're all. Yeah. yeah. So Sydney Sweeney, Celeste O'Connor, and Isabella Merced play this trio of young women, these teenage girls who are imperiled by the spider guy that Tahar Rahim plays because he has a precognition that they're going to kill him. And so he's got to take them out before they can take him out. This is the kind of organizing conflict of the movie. Dakota Johnson intersects because she is also having precognitions and she encounters them and she sees what's happening to them. So she has to intervene. But it feels very similarly to me to um, Captain Marvel, which is the, what looks like it's this kind of like prefab. Remember the 90s were so cool. Girl power, tank girl, Gwen Stefani kind of energy. The Celeste O'Connor character has her hair done up almost the way that Gwen Stefani does. That's true. Um, there's a lot of midriff exposure. But then there are also key needle drops like the, the present day circumstances in 2003 opens with a great yeah, 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 needle drop. Toxic plays a role in the movie, mm-hmm. the Britney Spears song, which we'll get to in a moment. So I was just confused. Now, now S.J. Clarkson was interviewed about this, and she said the script that she saw was always 2003. But it, it just feels, an, it's a li- just a tiny bit of that Saltburn thing where I'm like, what were we supposed to take away from this with all this diegetic music that feels like it was from 1994 and not from 2003? I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. You don't yeah. have an answer. I mean, I, when Toxic showed up, I, people are going to get it mad at me. But like this, is, it was like fucking Madam Web and no one was sitting next to us. So I did, and I turned my brightness down, but I did get out my phone to Google and make sure the Toxic was 2003 because I like anticipated your salt burn anxiety. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wait a second, I need to make sure that's right. Now, do, that's Do you think Madam Web is an unreliable narrator and that's why all the dates are wrong on all the well, stuff? no, what I was going to say <laughs> is when I was Googling it, I was like, wait a second, is Toxic 2003 or is it later? Because in my mind, mm-hmm. as a young woman with her Lyra, you know, <laughs> you catch up to things like a little bit. So I have vivid memories of listening to Toxic, like, later in college. Uh-huh. So, which was, like, later than 2003. So, sometimes when you're young, you're not, like, at the forefront of things. You're catching up, you know? So, maybe they're just younger and they're catching up to all of this cool music. Okay, that could be the case. That's a, that's a nice explanation. Related to Toxic, why does this movie tease, and in teasing, has a... um disc jockey come on and say, this song is going to be a big hit. Here comes Toxic by Britney Spears. Right. Tease a Superwoman team-up fight yeah. set to Britney Spears' Toxic, which is a pretty good idea for a superhero movie. Yeah, I would have enjoyed it. And then just turns out to be yet another sequence in which Madam Web just, like, grabs the girls and they run away. Well, she crashes a taxi into a diner. But, but then just runs away. Like, this movie is just a series of them running away from stuff. I mean, I agree. Bewildering. I, I don't get it. What are Madam Web's superpowers? Now, you mentioned that she's a precognitive mutant. I mean, isn't that also Mr. X-Man's power? His name is Professor X. <laughs> He's a professor. I believe he has his PhD, PhD in mutant genealogy, among other things. Okay. Uh, well, you, mm, no, he's a telepath. He can make things move with his mind. He can read people's minds. She well, can see the future. Maybe she can get there. She, they, don't they say at some point she's only beginning to understand her powers? It's a very good point. Yeah. So uh, at a certain point, in the, we see th- throughout the film that she can see into the future, very briefly into the future, like 30 seconds, a minute into the future. Later in the film, during the big final battle sequence, 
And I love how much of this I've retained. I feel really good about how my <laughs> life is going. As, as core memories slide out of my left ear, I have Madam Web plot intricacies in my right. Uh, they're on this big Pepsi Cola sign fighting spider, mm-hmm. evil spider guy. Yeah, by the way, that is absolutely a product placement. Pepsi is featured throughout the film. Yes. Um, um, after Dakota Johnson almost like drowns and goes into cardiac arrest, and then less than 24 hours later, she goes to the baby shower and she wants a beer, but they offer her a Pepsi instead. Because, and she says, ah, yeah. I love Pepsi. Mm-hmm. Do you like Pepsi? I'll drink it. Okay. I grew up in Atlanta, which is the Coca-Cola town. So there was a time when, you know, I, when I ordered the yeah. regional uh You were in lingo. a land war with Pepsi. Well, no, the, like the regional, you'd ask for a Coke, not a soda, not a thing you want. Mm. Like, I'd like a Coke, please. And there was a time when they said it's Pepsi. I, I would say, no, thank you. But now I say, sure, thank you. Well, thank you for that. <laughs> you know what? You <laughs> asked. <laughs> <laughs> uh, during this battle sequence on, the, on this Pepsi Cola sign, it appears that Madame Webb, her spirit leaves her body and it, it, it then extends to the three other women who are imperiled during this fight and that she is going to reach out to save them. But before we see what she can actually do as her body multiplies, she gets punched in the chest by evil spider guy. And then so we never actually see what else she can do besides see the future and hold that metal shield so that she blocks fireworks from blasting in her face. This movie is insanely bad. Um, I assume she'll be able to move things around, right? It's like the mind is limitless. We only use like 10% of our minds. What movie is that from that I uh, had to watch recently? No, I mean, yeah, that, obviously. And then you take the pill. But there's another movie. Oh, it was when I was re-watching Defending Your Life for the 1991 Oscars. Mm. And what percentage yeah, do you what percentage of your mind of your brain you use? Very yeah. funny. Yeah. That's a good movie. How much do you think I'm using? Um, 17. Like, is it possible that I'm at 98? No. But that this is the best I can do at 98. Like, I'm actually not very impressive and developed, but I've harnessed as much power as I can while everyone else is at 10% and they're doing better than me. <laughs> I've gotten, like, a lot of feedback in my personal life about you not going to the dinner at Telluride. As, as have I. And that, Didn't to me, well suggests... Me. I, if you're using more of your brain power, or you're using it on the wrong stuff. Let it not be said that I am an, uh, not a humble man. Yeah. Because I'm willing to share that kind of information about what a fucking idiot I am. Uh, okay. So, Madam Web superpowers, we don't totally understand them. We have a rough understanding of them. And you've added a, a, a useful corollary question here, which is, why is she a madam? I was really hoping that she would, like, wake up in France at the end of the movie. <laughs> And then it would set up, like, you know, Madame Webb's, like, adventures as, like, the French spider superhero. Is the impression there that she is, like, the the leader of the harem of young women? Like, is she running a brothel? Like, what is going on here? I, I don't know. And everyone who signed on was like, absolutely, Madame well, Webb. That sounds like a great Webb, You know? Well, that would be interesting. That would be more of a, that's the musical adaptation. <laughs> um... Okay, that's mystifying. So an important part of this movie, you mentioned that there are some Spider-Man Easter eggs. So Adam Scott is in this film. Love Adam Scott, wonderful actor. Severance coming back soon, one of my favorite shows the last few years. Uh, In this film, he plays, as you alluded to with your Spider-Man Easter eggs note, Ben Parker, a.k.a. Uncle Ben, Mm -hmm. a.k.a. the man who is murdered, who inspires the Spider-Man story. Is Uncle Ben a paramedic in the... is that canon? I don't remember. Because he is also Madam Webb's, like, paramedic partner. Yes. Um, I don't remember what his job is. Okay. Um, 
if you just Google Uncle Ben, it says Uncle Ben Wild Rice and then Uncle Ben What Happened to Him. <laughs> okay. Um, so I'll, I'll <laughs> okay, look good. at that after we finish recording. So in this universe, does this mean that Adam Scott, who indicates to Cassandra Webb early in the film that he's met someone special, does that mean that in this timeline he's going to marry Marissa Tomei? I asked you that so, during this film. So what do you think now that you've Which seen Which I film? think that you need to give me some credit for. Because as soon as they said Ben Parker, I was like, oh, that must be Uncle Ben. And then I said, is that is he going to marry Marissa Tomei? So that's like three characters that I was able to connect. The only superhero franchise that you, neither you nor I have given up on is Spider-Man. And so we'll have that forever. And mm-hmm. your deep knowledge of Spider-Man canon <laughs> and your continued research into the story of Madam Web, I think, is a, a boon to this show. Listen, if, if Madam Web takes up residence in France and just does French superhero stuff, like, I'll, I'm there opening day for every movie. Okay, good to know. Um, I'll bring my friends. Question number 11. Yeah. Did you picture Emma Roberts as Spider-Man's mom? (laughs) No, and I wasn't paying attention when that got dropped. I don't know what I was doing. I wasn't looking at my phone. I think I was thinking about what I was going to have for dinner. Um, But then you elbowed me and you were like, that's Spider-Man's mom. And then I put it all together. Spider-Man's mom, I think her name is Mary in the comic books and maybe in this movie as well. Canonically not blonde. Okay. I believe brunette, short-haired brunette. So anyway, they're breaking canon okay. there. Notable. Um, we should I, alert Oscar Isaac in the Spider-Verse films. The baby shower scene was really funny. That's what it's like to be at a baby shower. And they make Dakota Johnson like play games. And what's she's your, really what's your favorite shower game? I hate all of them. One time our very like my best friend who was the first to have kids. Stephanie, you know Stephanie. Mm-hmm. Um the first of many kids. Yeah, she has she's a lot of children. Um, I love them all. She, so we all went to her baby shower in the game, but we're like 25. Mm-hmm. We're very young. None of the rest of us, of us have kids and we're all asked to give parenting advice. Um, that didn't, and we all were also really hungover because we had a party the night before. So that was good. I, my one um, friend, my doctor friend just wrote like vaccine save lives, which I thought was good parenting advice. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. But um, that was funny just because it failed entirely. I I haven't really played. Well, we played Jeopardy at at your baby shower. Uh, the baby shower that for Eileen. Yeah. Um, I can't remember that, but that sounds right. Yeah. I, I lost that core memory because of I saw Madam <laughs> Web. Unfortunately for me, that was fun. I'm not. I'm not really a shower person. I pro babies freaked out by showers, so I appreciated this representation. Question twelve: If a spider bite would grant you superpowers, would you let it bite you? So. My initial answer to this was yes. I'm not really that afraid of spiders. So that would be fine. Okay. And then I would have superpowers. Yes. But it does seem like once you have superpowers, people are always trying to kill you. And that... Good note. That is not the kind of life that I'm trying to live. Perfect answer. Thank you. (laughs) What's your answer? It's a real what are the powers situation. (laughs) You know? What powers do you not want? I definitely do not want precognition. That sounds like an absolute nightmare for me. Yeah, that's true. I You already think you have it. Uh, well, I have enough of it. Okay. I have it in the ways that I need. Um, I would love to fly. Yeah, it does seem fun. You know, even more so, teleportation. Oh, amazing. Yes. I fucking hate traffic. Yeah. Just hate it. I fucking hate sitting in my car waiting for somebody to turn left in the middle of a busy thoroughfare. So... 
Yeah, teleportation would be a good one. Yeah, I mean, you just save a lot of time that way. For me, the number one thing I'd like is the Mary Poppins just snap your fingers and everything's clean. Oh, elite. I mean, I just like, that's truly like We would be some of the worst superheroes imaginable. (laughs) Uh, Okay, question number 13. And I say this with a couple of caveats. One is that there's a new film called Immaculate coming out on March 22nd starring this person and that this person has appeared in five films in the last 12 months. Mm -hmm. Why did Sydney Sweeney sign up for this movie? Because they told her that she would get to be Spider-Girl in another movie. And that was something she wanted to do for financial reasons. But based on what anyone but you did at the box office, Mm -hmm. which is to say, as we mentioned earlier this week, extraordinarily well. Right. She could be... She well, could be Jean Grey in the X-Men if well, she wanted to be. She could one, be she could be the mo- she could be the next Wonder Woman if yeah, she wanted to be. Okay. But when you're signing up for these movies, yeah. you don't know that. Yeah. In fact, the expectation is probably flipped. I would also point out anyone but you, also a Sony movie. So maybe the reason that she did this is because they were like, hey, would you like to make this movie? Would you also like to do this? I believe that is the answer. Yeah, there I believe you go. there was a little bit of a double-double on this one. And yeah. you know what? Worked out great. And once upon a time on this podcast, I said, how could they possibly release anyone but you over Christmas? And how could they release this movie over Valentine's yeah, Day? Yeah, we were wrong. We have our answer. Yeah. Our answer is that this movie is a fucking turkey and that they were trying to bury it in the biggest time of the year to bury a movie. And they felt like anyone but you had commercial potential at a time when a lot of people go to the movies. And they were right. So well done by Sony, at least in that respect. Okay. Give me an honest reaction to this. Mm-hmm. But as I said, this reminded me of Captain Marvel, a movie that I thought was not very good. I did not think the Marvels was very good. I'm very mixed on the Wonder Woman movies. Some parts of it I think are great. Some of it I think are not so great. There's just not a lot of good female superhero movies. Like, at all. And we've, we're, we're really down the line now with this. Like, yeah. we're basically at the end of this. And we're looking for whatever. They're, we're looking what the new phase is going to be. But even in the new phases, not a lot of female-led titles. So, why? Why are there not good female superhero movies? Look within, Sean. Because of <laughs> awful men like me? I mean, it, I don't know. I like the first Wonder Woman a lot. Yeah. I mean, I, you know. Up I until the third act. Yeah, yes. but like, I mean, that's true of literally every single one of these movies, even the good ones. Like, I don't. I don't know what's happening and they're all just like smashing things against each other. There's a gradation issue in my opinion that like the final act of Wonder Woman is uniquely bad and ugly relative to a movie that otherwise looks pretty good. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I think they all look pretty bad. So I liked Wonder Woman. I, 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 hand to God, do not remember anything about Captain Marvel, a movie that I saw with you for this podcast. thought it was um, pretty rough. I liked the young woman from the Marvels and her family. Sure. Uh, Miss Marvel. Yeah. She was great. That was a good, that was a pretty good TV show. Um, what are the, so which are the other bad ones? Uh, I mean, we can go down the, I mean, you know, famously there's like the Electras and the Catwomans of the world. Sure. Um, I mean, have there been any other female-led? I guess Black Widow was okay. Oh, yeah. The whole Russian spy thing. It was okay. I mean, that's really, it's, it's Electra, but that, Wonder Woman, that again was Black like Widow, Pugh the Marvels, the Catwoman. Birds of Prey? That was, that was, I liked that. I liked Birds of Prey. Oh, I liked the roller skating sequence. Um, I mean, you know, the, the very basic answer is that they're always tacked on afterwards as like, and now we'll do this, but like, but for women and are carrying, yes. like, not whatever burden that is, but it's just like they have to do all of this stuff while meeting some made up expectations of what you would want to see from like a woman superhero. Right. More of a structural issue. Yeah. Um, I generally agree. And I think that if they had made a Black Widow movie earlier in the Marvel story, that it actually would have made it, it would have made more sense. It would could have been better. 
you probably could have gotten a better filmmaker to make it. It wouldn't have been released during COVID, which would have helped. I would have liked to have known what that movie would have been like in in theaters and not during the COVID experience. Nevertheless, um, last question, number mm-hmm. 15. Speaking of comic book stories, let's can, can we just talk about the Sony Spider-Man thing and what's going on yeah. with it? That's just the question is, let's just have a final conversation. Okay. So the context. Here, let, let me spin it into a question for you. Okay. Why did we sit in the theater through the entire credits waiting for a stinger that never appeared? It's Sean, great, go. It's a great, great question. And you say what? Obviously, <laughs> uh, well, Charlie Rose, we're conditioned, <laughs> we're conditioned to expect that in a film, particularly in films that are not terribly good, that they'll leave us walking out the door wanting more. And the best way to do that, obviously, is to attach a stinger to the end of these movies. It's a sad thing with they've poisoned us. The Sony films in particular have this very awkward balance where they've made three mega successful Tom Holland Spider-Man movies in the last decade. They've made two unusually successful Venom movies. They've made Morbius, which was a dud, but I believe did have a, a stinger on it. They made two animated Spider-Verse films, which I love. I just absolutely adore both of those movies. And then later this year, we're also getting an addition to Madam Web, Craven the Hunter and Venom 3. Oh, Craven the Hunter is a Spider-Man thing? It is. How Craven is he Hunter, related to Spider-Man? He is a signature villain in the Spider-Man story. Mm. Now this What's appears, his issue? Uh, that Dan Spider won't let me hunt the way that I want to hunt or whatever. You know, oh, who knows? Okay. You know, he's a, he's What's a, he hunting? A game. <laughs> the world's most dangerous game. Uh... <laughs> uh <laughs> The show is at its best when you're asking me stupid questions. <laughs> I really feel that way. So anyway, I mean, those movies, Venom 3 will be my favorite movie of the year, but maybe absolutely abysmal. Um, Craven the Hunter looks not great. Yeah. I got to say, it looks not no, great. it doesn't. And Madam Web was a nightmare. And is this like mismanagement? Does it not matter? Is it all a tax write-off? I mean, you know, we stuck around for the stinger because 13-year-old boy living inside me was like right. when will they show me the next Sinister Six right. preview because like yeah. there is a there is a movie that they've been leading to here which is the Sinister Six which is like the six big villains in the Spider-Man universe team up together and they all like try to fight Spider-Man didn't they all didn't they do that in the last one in which one what was the one with the three Spider-Man yeah sort of not really a little bit but they're they're all in those cages next yeah. to each other right Yes, it's not all exactly all of well, the characters dungeon. that we're talking about. I don't really know whether they're a cage. But like, for example, Mysterio is in the Sinister Six, the Jake Gyllenhaal character from the second Spider-Man movie, oh, sure. but he didn't appear in in okay. No Way Home. So like, th- and this is a movie that has been long threatened. I think Drew Goddard was attached to write and direct it many years ago. And it is like, in theory, one of the only kind of villain movies that you could make that would actually work because those were big characters if you cared about Spider-Man. So that's one that they're probably going to make at some point. But aside from that, I'm not, you don't look at the Spider-Man world and be like, there's just, there's 300 movies here. There's not. It's like, show me Spider-Man. I want to hang out with Spider-Man. Even Venom is supposed to be much more intrinsically connected to Spider-Man than it actually is based on where that character came from. So I just don't know what they're doing. I think this is a really weird way to go about this process. Then again, I don't work at a studio and I'm just a guy in front of a microphone. So uh, <laughs> I want to thank you for your patience as, as we worked through Madam Web. You're so welcome. We had a lovely time together. I hope yeah. you had an otherwise... Um, romantic and 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 thoughtful Valentine's Day. I did. Okay, great. Thank you to the people at Sticky Rice Highland Park for all that you do. Wow. Yeah. Spawn. I would love to be sponsored by Sticky Rice. Speaking of Spawn, let's talk about the most sponsored <gasps> content 
Uh, it was self-funded, okay? <laughs> well. Jennifer Lopez spent $20 million <laughs> of her own money yeah. on this is me, dot, 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 now, colon, a love story. Who owns it now, Amanda? Amazon does. They paid an undisclosed sum, according to Variety. What do you think it was? I don't know. because it, So, they paid for this is me now, dot, dot, dot. No, I'm sorry. This is me, dot, 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 now, colon, a love story. And the just release, just announced, to be released documentary about the making of this album, This Is Me Now, visual film. Okay. And whatever else she's doing. That's called The Greatest Love Story Never Told. Ben Affleck is featured prominently, and it will be released on February 27th, okay. also on Amazon Prime. So I haven't seen this. Mm-hmm. And you have. Sure. You've seen The Love Story. I have. I've, well, I've you know, I saw it from afar the first time around. I lived the 20 years in between. Mm-hmm. I saw it from afar and in the much documented uh, updates on Jennifer Lopez's blog and in the tabloid media the second time around. And now I've seen the musical film. Did you own the album This Is Me Now on CD? So This Is Me Then? This Is you Me mean? Then, excuse me. Yes. I, I, I do not think that I did. Okay. But I, again, do you own any Jennifer Lopez albums? I didn't really own albums like that, Sean. Okay. You know, I not, mean, not a collector of physical media. Well, I was a Napster generation child. Sorry. Okay. And so you advocate stealing. <laughs> I mean, I just I didn't have. How any will of Jennifer Lopez earn the funds? Earn the twenty million dollars. Twenty million dollars. Delola, her orange soda cocktail, and her very successful beauty line. Okay. And I, I'm I don't know whether she has fashion right now. I'm sure she does. Since our um, movie star taste test, have yeah. you? Uh, had any Delola? I haven't personally, but I had friends who tried a different one. And they liked it more great, than, great than we liked Delola. <laughs> this Is Me Then is the album. What if I was just like, yeah, I have some in my water <laughs> bottle right now. I feel like that's sick, but maybe not the most professional choice at uh, 12.05 p.m. So This Is Me Then is was released in the throes of yeah. the tabloid scandal when she was dating Ben Affleck in the aftermath of her relationship with Sean P. Diddy Combs. Mm-hmm. That's the album that has Jenny from the Block on yeah. it. Um, it is like it is. It's the Ur Lopez moment, right? It's yeah. after Out of Sight. She's a movie star. She's a recording artist. She's beloved. She's a tabloid fixture. Right. Twenty years have gone by. She's become enormously wealthy. She's had great success. She's been reunited with her lost love Ben. What is this movie about? So this is a musical. visual album, basically, of This Is Me Now, which is, like, the sequel album she's also releasing right now. Right. So, sort of like Lemonade? Uh, Maybe in format, slightly. Okay. I don't want to make any more comparisons. Not artistically as... To Lemonade. I would say that the the film, like, in in terms of visuals, Mm -hmm. the reference that popped into my mind the most was Ava DuVernay's A Wrinkle in Time. Mm -hmm. Um... And not in a great way. <laughs> That's the visual palette? It's like, there is a lot of fantastical stuff going on here. So, it there is a narrative, which is that there is a Jennifer Lopez-like figure, played by Jennifer Lopez, who has been unlucky in love. Mm-hmm. And it is about her however many years journey through several divorces and, like, hoping for love and feedback from the public from the people in her life and is she a love addict and how is like is she silly to believe in true love and then 
at the very end, there like one third of Ben Affleck's face is shown in the very last frame coming to get her as because she has finally found true love again. Important. Here, yeah. I have ahead. an important question. Yeah. Do you think of yourself as a love addict? <laughs> <laughs> no, but there is a major um, Zodiac element of this film. Okay, so that, because that Zodiac, was Zodiac, the Zodiac killer? No. Okay. <laughs> no, I mean, really, who could say? No, like the Zodiac signs, right? I see. So that's, Did David Fincher direct this? That is the plot point. No. Uh, David My- Dave Myers directed right. this. Longtime music video director, longtime and, and, collaborator. And like, that's with what J-Lo. this is, right? This yeah. is like five or six, like, pretty, like, opulent music videos strung together with this narrative element. So that's the narrative. But I need to tell you, like, the various scenes. And this is this is not comprehensive, by the way. So the first one is a a dance sequence set, like basically, it's like a cyberpunk factory. Okay. Um, and there's a giant mechanical heart at the middle of it that they have to keep pumping by feeding it flowers. But then all the gardens are dead, so it runs out of flower petals, and so the heart stops. Okay. So that. And that turns out to just be like a dream that Jennifer Lopez is having. I'm sorry, like the Jennifer Lopez character. She's unnamed in the film. I see. And that's a dream that she's recounting to Fat Joe, who's her therapist. Mm -hmm. He's pretty concerned about her addiction tendencies when it comes to love. They have a lot of sessions. At one point, he fires her as his client. She finds her way back to him. Was his uh, doctorly advice to lean back? (laughs) (laughs) I don't think so at any point. While they're having therapy, or maybe just after, she's in this glass like house that comes crashing down on her at one point, just to give you an idea of some of the metaphors that mm-hmm. are at work here, if the mechanical heart wasn't enough. But so in that glass house, which is really more like a glass penthouse in an apartment in like future New York, there's a TV screen playing with like a like a cable news anchor, like O'Reilly, more like O'Reilly than Tucker Carlson, as mm-hmm. far as I can tell. But that's just because of the styling, because it's Ben Affleck with like a tremendous amount of prosthetics and a wig. Okay. And he's play, it's he's hosting the Truth Report with Rex Stone. And throughout the I'm so intrigued by this. the musical film, he's just like saying, like honestly, kind of funny bullshit cable news stuff. And and a lot of this is like mocking media coverage of them and media coverage of stuff or whatever. Okay. So it's like not totally divorced from reality. But then at the end, he gets like, he has a credit sequence. And so the very last thing you see after all the credits are him doing like a little report straight to camera. And then the last thing he says, only you can let the love in your heart die and you should never let it die. And then it cut. So that's what Ben Affleck's up to. Also, he does drive a motorcycle in, like, an important motif. And like I said, he's there at the very end. Okay, the Zodiac Council. So another thing that's happening, and what brought me to all this, is that there is, like, a there's a, a council mm-hmm. of sort of godlike beings in a... It looks like a leftover Marvel set, like, astral plane situation. And one person to represent each sign. And they're there just, like, watching what's going on with Jennifer Lopez and... They have, they have a lot of concerns about the decisions that she's making. And she's, you know, and she's like, she's a Leo and she's like with a Libra and that's not going to work or something. I don't know. So you asked whether I consider myself an addict to love. Mm-hmm. I don't, but I watched this as a fellow Leo 
mm-hmm. you know? So that, because there was such an emphasis on the signs, I was like, oh no. So J-Lo is a Leo. She is a Leo. She okay. and Ben are both Leos. Oh, it makes so much sense. Yeah. Wow. Uh, they don't talk about a Leo-Leo pairing in this. Have we discussed this? Wow, that, you've just unlocked something. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's very powerful stuff. Can I tell you who's on the Zodiac Council? Please do. Jane Fonda, Trevor Noah, Kim Petras, Kiki Palmer, Post Malone, Neil deGrasse Tyson, Sofia Vergara, Jennifer Lewis, and Jay Shetty. Who's Jennifer Lewis? Uh, just uh, uh, You would recognize her, an okay. older actress. Okay. Um, And I don't remember who... Oh, yeah, I know yeah. Jennifer Lewis. Yeah, she's great. Okay. I, from Blackish. The only thing I remember is that Post Malone is Leo on the council. So again, I just had like a lot of conflicts about my own sign. Post Malone is the Leo? Yes. God. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. There's a lot going on here. And they're also making like Vanderpump rules jokes. Like it's yeah. it's really yeah. like they, they're sort of a narrative device. It keeps flashing back to them. At some point after Facho fires her, she goes to Love Addicts Anonymous, and there's a big dance sequence. So Love Addict, that's another music video. Mm-hmm. Um, she also there gives, honestly, like one of two, maybe three, like, like totally gripping JLo monologues about the power of love. And I was just like, that right there is my girl. Like, she still has it. And this could be the climax of a rom-com. And I, like, I, I would buy it every time. Unfortunately, it's, like, in a, like, random gym, like, funded by a billionaire that's where Love Addicts Anonymous is happening. She also, at one point, lies on the couch watching The Way We Were. I told you this. Yes. Yesterday. And mouthing, like, all of Barbara's dialogue along, which I thought was wonderful. And then at the very end, she does, like, a full Singing in the Rain, like, I guess, homage. Um, She's, like, on a set in the rain with an umbrella doing not Gene Kelly stuff, but. Do, Do you think I should watch this? I don't know. I like it's I, it's not the worst thing I've seen. Okay. And it's so just weird, but clearly something that was in her mind and she wanted to make happen. Mm-hmm. And she made it happen. So in 1980, Billy Joel after a series of six very successful albums that were also critically panned, mm-hmm. released an album called Glass Houses. Mm-hmm. The um, cover of the album is Billy Joel looking at a giant glass house while aiming to throw a rock at it. Mm-hmm. And the whole album is about how nobody understands yeah. what a great and sincere artist he is. Frankly, the album rocks. Yeah. Um, it is a wonderful Billy Joel album. So I'm not against this kind of material. Yeah. This kind of self-mythologizing, self-flagellating, self-analyzing. And it is like, it's going for it. And I obviously like that it is very aware of the public narrative around them and responding to it with ambition and wild, weird J-Lo taste. Uh-huh. It's like, I mean, it's very specifically only one person could have wanted to do it this way. Well, that's art. Yeah. and She's an auteur. And I do also think, I haven't listened to the full album yet. Mm-hmm. One of the songs was kind of catchy. But I think this is probably enhancing the musical experience, certainly, if you will. Yeah. So I got handed to her. I I'm really excited for the documentary, as you know. What did you What did you think of uh, La Faire de Io, in which Io Debery needed to, to apologize. apologize, and then J Lo told Variety she came in with tears in her eyes. Yeah. She was so so mortified. I mean, I you know I think Tina Fey had the the right advice on Las Culturistas, which is. Don't stay, say stuff on a podcast. Yeah. 
authenticity and here we is are. expensive and dangerous. Yes. Is that how you feel? Mm-hmm. I would say, but I would say that's not your brand. <laughs> oh, you mean I just say shit? I think you're authentic. Um, oh, do you? I do. I certainly Thanks. do. I don't know whether I think that's a compliment. I know that. Neither do I. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think many people would think that it is, but I am sort of jaded. I, you're right that I just say what I want to say, but I don't really have any interest in then like meeting up with people afterwards, you know? Right. So, this is your superpower. Yeah. I'm, just, I'm content to be, in fact, you don't want to. I really, I really don't want to. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's interesting. So I don't, the consequences aren't the same. Okay. Well, do you feel like we're having a good dumpuary? Like I have, a, <laughs> I have a bunch of other films that I could talk about, but I don't really want to waste our time by talking okay. about movies that aren't very good. Um, like was this relative to previous dumpuaries? Did did, did yeah, this go well? We learned about Hunter Biden. We, we did. learned about. So you know, one thing I wish Chris were here because one thing I've been thinking about since we did Beekeeper is like, what's the right way to say QAnon? You know, because he told me QAnon. I, QAnon. Like what? What? <laughs> what is wrong with you? I don't. Well, I I'm not hearing Slow what down. you're hearing. Slow down. Take a deep breath through the nose, out through the mouth. <sighs> QAnon. QAnon. You got it. That's it. Okay. You did it. What was I saying that was different? So I'm really glad that that the machines okay have heard you use that phrase because much like that line from Madam Web. It will be used against you at a certain point. Uh, I can't confirm that the beekeeper was influenced by sure. that movement or Jan 6 or Hunter Biden or Hillary Clinton. But it's it's a one reading yeah. of the film. Yeah. Do you think there's a Jan 6 reading of Madam Web? All right. Let's see if we can do this. Let's work really hard. We've made it far enough just for the free JMO sample. Um, okay. So, let's see. The... Cassandra Webb is a paramedic. Right. Once upon a time. And so she's looking out for the greater good, yes. even when the the system is not. Yep. She operates outside of law enforcement. Right. But and she is also empowered to enter complicated circumstances. She's got a siren. Right. She's she's creating a found family because the normal institutions of family have failed her right. and those around right. her. The United States of America has sure. left her behind. Yeah. Product of the foster and, care system. And the system. three supergirls. Yes. They're all orphans right. of a kind. And so they, and they like diner food. You I know? have no idea what that has to do with. <laughs> they're, just, they're just simple. You know, they're like, they're not fancy. You oh, know? I see. They're yeah. salt of the earth. They're people. salt of the earth. Yeah. They just want some more cherry pie. Yep. Um, and what? Why do they raid that thing again? Why? What? Why did? Why is the third act happen? Because the Spider Man is trying to is kill the, them. Why is the third act? I mean, that is okay. the that is the right question about Madam Web. I can't believe we did forty minutes on Madam Web. <laughs> We've returned to Madam Web. Um, um, the Beekeeper is a good example of a bad movie that is really good. Madam Web is a good example of a bad movie that is really bad. I agree. And such a delineation exists. And Madam Web wasn't fun. It sounds like you had a lot of fun with the J-Lo film. Oh, sure. And that's really what we're looking yeah. for in our bad movies. You know, we're looking for an opportunity to celebrate some of the silliness, as opposed to the silliness curdling and then effectively making fun of how we've chosen to use our time. Right. Especially staying through the end credits, which was a colossal That was mistake. really tough. Um, I want to send my thanks to uh, our very own Hunter Biden, Chris Ryan, for his <laughs> contributions to this episode. <laughs> Thanks to our producer, Bobby Wagner. Um, Well, next week on the show, we're going to be talking about a good movie. We'll see you then.
This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.